This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. We have a very, very special guest with us, a tremendous man of God, my friend, Brother Jared Boruff. He, 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 I got to tell you, he, he's got... He's got a very special anointing on his life. He's an incredible writer, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do through his writing. Uh, but for right now, Brother Bowriff, why don't you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself, your ministry, where you're from, and, and then we'll go right into what you've prepared. Well, thank you, Brother Brandon, for, uh, for having me on. I know, you know, uh, for taking the time to hear what I feel like God has put in my heart, uh, I appreciate you and, and the friendship that we've, we've established over the last year and, and you allowing me to be a writer for, you know, the fantastic Pentecostal periodical. Um, that's definitely been a blessing on my ministry. It's been a great outlet for me um, to be able to write every month what I feel like God has given me and being able to have an outlet for that. Um, <clears throat> my wife and I are serving as the children's ministers directors at Souls Harbor Apostolic Church. Um, in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, I was licensed last year uh, by the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ um, as a licensed minister and to serve on our ministerial team here at Souls Harbor. Um, and just like I said, in the last year or so, um, our pastor has a um, ministry training program for young men who feel the call to God. And out of that, a monthly meeting where we would go through, you know, an hour of time before evening prayer service about, um, you know, the various aspects of ministry. I could sense just such a hunger there that was almost unsatisfied by that hour. Um, I do appreciate the hour that our pastor poured into us, but at the end of it, you could almost feel the, uh, you know, the wanting for more. And then, um, as we introduced a new Sunday school curriculum, a Sunday school teacher had approached me uh, a very well-established lady in our church. She's a fantastic teacher, but I was so excited about this curriculum because there was a couple of stories that she didn't even know was in the Bible. And um, so out of those two kind of instances, I realized there is just such a, one, a hunger, and two, a need for establishing, um, one, a baseline for ministry, not just pulpit ministry. I know that seems to be, you know, that gets 90% of the spotlight is, what you say behind that pulpit, but there's so, you know, that's, that's 10%. That's right. 10% of what, you know, 90% is, is, is what you do behind the scenes, behind closed doors, in yeah. your prayer closet, in your personal learning and devotion to God. Um, so I wanted to try to put some focus more on that. And so um, I, I brought the, the idea up to my pastor and he put me in touch with, um, we're lucky enough in Bloomington to have an apostolic Christian school. And he put me in touch with the principal there, who was also a local pastor. Um, and we got together and we came up with a ministry training initiative that um, stepped outside the bounds of, you know, sermon prep and all the standard kind of ministerial type training that you would get um, and come up with, you know, training that involved church administration, uh, you know, Sunday school teaching, how to be a good Ooh. Sunday school teacher, because that's not intuitive to everybody. Um, you know, church security has become a real real important part of ministry surprisingly enough you know more and more uh, church insurance companies are requiring to have security measures in place even security teams 
to be able to handle kind of issues that pop up. Um, and so, you know, that's an underserved area of ministry that, again, requires quite a lot of specialized training. You know, you can't get that at a, at a Bible college. Right. Um, and then I also wanted to get, you know, more apostolic doctrine concreted in with guys and, and, and ladies that felt a call to ministry that maybe received that call later in life. Um, you know, someone that came to the Lord later on in their life has an established um, secular job. I can't quite leave that job to go to a Bible college or a seminary school to learn. Um, you know, we could take what they learned in that classroom and give that to them through a church setting. Um, and, and one thing I hadn't even thought of until that the principal pointed it out is, is you know, we kind of have, in Bloomington, we are blessed with a number of apostolic churches. Um, we have a lot of UPC, uh, United Pentecostal Church International and a lot of Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ churches, and, you know, some are just blocks away. And there's sometimes a sense of uh, contention amongst those churches, um, you know. And so to be able to establish a training initiative through the school and stepping outside of organizational lines and just focus on, hey, we're all apostolic. We all, you know, we're all serving the Lord and to be able to, you know, be able to bring minds from all different avenues of life that you know follow the apostolic doctrine that we can rely on all that training um you know one no one group has you know cornered the market on you know the intellectual confines of, of the word of god and all those things um so we're working on building that and the idea is to build it in bloomington as a and then to springboard it to just throughout the different areas um we're working with like I said, just different ministers throughout different organizations. Um, and we're trying to get their content uh, trademarked and registered so that it's protected. So people aren't just, you know, ripping it off, establishing it on YouTube and, you know, that they actually have some reward for their work. Um, but just again, to kind of, you know, because Jesus tells us, you know, that the fields are, are white with harvest. And I truly feel that more than I've ever felt in my entire ministries. Since right now, there's so many. So many hearts that are ready to be touched by the word of God, but there are so few laborers out there trying to gather them in. Um, and you know, coming from a slight, you know, a small farming background, you don't send somebody out with a tractor and a harvester that's not been trained on how to harvest that crop. Right. Um, you know, there's a, a real great potential to damage and lose yeah. a portion of that crop just be, you know from an eager. Oh wow. An eager. An eager hand can quickly, you know, turn bad, and, and just as easy in the ministry, an eager tongue that's not been trained, that's not had, you know, the, the prayer life established, that's not had the study of the Word of God, can cause confusion and hurt, even with the best of intentions. Um, and so from that, we, you know, I've kind of picked um, just from the different training books and stuff that I've studied that there's what we have to establish as the three C's, which is, you know, working on your character, your conviction. And then your ability to communicate. So first of all, your character, establishing those good ministerial ethics, um, how you conduct yourself personally and with others, you know, your conviction, how grounded are you in the word of God? What's your prayer life like? Um, make sure all those are in place. And then finally, your ability to communicate that, the word of God, your conviction to others. You know, and the, and the very foundation of all three is it's got to be prayer. Um, you know, people almost hit the snooze button as soon as you start talking about that in different training sessions because they want to hear the latest, greatest ideas, agendas, plans. 
and you start on prayer, they're like, yeah, tried, true, old thing, but it still, it doesn't have the, the newness that other things have. Um, but I, I'm, I was inspired by uh, Sister Vesta Mangan, listening to her, one of her old, because of the time, um, sermons on, you know, long before the rocket takes off, there was a launch pad that was built, you know, and uh, down in Florida, there's a massively tall and long and deep launch pad built out of reinforced concrete. And before you ever strap that rocket to that to take off, that, you know, that launch pad had to be in place. Um, and she says, you know, that, that launch pad has to be your, your an extraordinary prayer life. That is the, what launches the rest of your ministry, first and foremost. Because if you don't have a strong launch pad, that rocket is going to teeter, it's going to fall, it's going to explode. And then, so, you know, only a strong launch pad that can support the weight and then even absorb the energy, the energy coming off that rocket you know, to be able to take wow. off. Um, so, you know, establishing somebody's character, how do they fit in the body of, of Christ? Um, not everybody's called to a pulpit. Sometimes that's one of my first discussions I have with young men that tell me they feel called to preach. I will ask, are you called to preach or are you called to serve? Because to be a minister means to serve. So long before you should be seeking out a pulpit, you know, you need to be seeking out how you can serve your church, your fellow people in, in, in other ways to establish that heart, you know, because Jesus didn't go around spending the whole time preaching. He, he, he served. Right. Um, you know, he washed his disciples' feet. That's one of the, one of the greatest stories that, you know, we still preach on today is, is here's, here's the king of glory on his knees with a towel, wiping 12 men's dirty feet off. Um, so long before you aspire to a pulpit, you know, and I know a lot of pastors will say, before I give you an opportunity to preach, I want to see where you have served elsewhere. Um, and that was Jesus's final command to us was, you know, Matthew 28, before he ascends into heaven is go ye therefore into all nations and teach, teach all that I have taught you. And, you know, um, he spent three years of his ministry doing miracles, doing signs and wonders, but so much of that in between time focused on the building his disciples, their, you know, their wisdom, um, their power and, and just showing them how to live their lives. So, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting fact that only 10% of all the armed forces of the United States are actually dedicated to combat. The other 90% are strictly support personnel. So everybody goes in, everybody gets basic training, and then you go to your individualized, specialized trainings. And some of those trainings can last up to half a year enlistment before you're considered qualified to be in that role. And, you know, so, yeah, you need guys on the front lines to fight, but you need a guy that can cook food for them, and you need a guy that can bring them weapons and ammunition. You need a guy that can drive them around or a helicopter pilot that can fly them to various places. And, and just like today at the church, we're in a war. We, we fight spiritual battles, and, and um, not everybody is going to be fighting that fight from the pulpit. We, you, need, you need support personnel. We need people willing to clean churches. You need church secretaries and, and you know, people who work in administration. You need ushers and, and Sunday school teachers. And, you know, we've already talked on that, some scary. So we got to establish a baseline for all of those and then begin to build off of those very er those various um, areas. Um, so to our second C, the conviction is, you know, what kind of grasp they have on the Bible. Um, you know, they're their beliefs and the, and the oneness of God and, and their abilities to back that up. Um, 
uh, you know, the various scriptural, scriptural evidence. One of the most interesting trainings I've ever been a part of was um, I've been, when a minister brought in a Trinitarian preacher to combat, you know, just to, and to see how well we could, you know, to defend our faith versus him. Um, because if you don't have a good grasp, that knowledge that should be, you know, a stepping stone becomes and in, turns into a stumbling block. So, you know, your conviction has to be sure and, and strong. And then communication, taking your belief, getting it out verbally and, and written. I think there is a great need, and I know you feel the same way for apostolic authors, um, commentators, to, to write about, you know, an apostolic viewpoint of, of, of the Bible. Um, you know, preachers, sermons, all that kind of stuff. Teachers, there's, there's special ways to teach certain kids and be able to know how to reach out to those kids. Um, to, to touch those young minds and youth, that's a whole another area that you need a, a certain expertise in. Um, you know, and then teaching home Bible studies. That's, again, an area that underserved, I believe, in, in, in our areas, anyway, um, just from lack of experience. You know, if you don't have that track right in front of you, can you still just, you know, on a whim, if God puts somebody in your path, that you have a chance to you know, to reap that soul, to plant that seed in their heart. Um, and then finally, after after they kind of go through those three C's and they get that established, um, I think that it's very important to have a good mentor. Have, a, you know, somebody that is elder, wisdom, um, and, you know, experienced in, in their ministry and set that can to, to kind of be the light, a guiding force to other young ministers um, to be fruitful and multiply. That, you know, that means sharing your wisdom, share what you've learned or have been taught. Somebody somebody took the time to pour into you. You owe it to that individual or individuals to pour into someone else. Um, you know, we can't just be a well, but we just hold all the water. We need to be a spring. That water's got to flow. Um, all that knowledge and stuff needs to touch somebody else, especially somebody that's thirsty. Um, so we need to set up, you know, some young ministers with, with local pastors and leaders that they can learn from, take their concerns, questions to. Because um, it all goes back into getting people out into that field, and you know, and, and sending them with the right tools, the right mentality to harvest wherever God has called them to be. Um, my my pastor's wife has a song that she's written, saying that it's called "Will You Go," and and will you work? Like, will you be willing to step into that field, roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, to bring souls and in, into in Christ before before He comes again? Um, and that just that just settled deep within me, you know. Again, just resonating this call that I feel that we just need to be building up disciples. Um, and you know, it's it's also kind of a, a I want it to kind of be a wake up call to to people that have just been content to sit on the pew Sunday after Sunday, hear the sermon, give their offering, and walk out the door. Um, I don't know that pew ministry is, you know, all that God has called anybody to do. We all have an opportunity outside of that church pew to witness, to be a light to others. Um, my grandpa always tells the story about, you know, you're a lot more picky in Thanksgiving on your second and third plate. You know, when you first come in on Thanksgiving, you're hungry, you're excited. That plate's not near big enough to get all the different things that you want to try. But once you get that first plate down and you go back for seconds, you're a lot more selective on what you pick to put back. And then should you go back for a third term, 
a third plate. Um, there might be a little theological discussion there on, on gluttony, but if you choose to do so, um, you know, again, you're going to be even more critical of the different foods. And he, he always likened that to the church. Somebody that comes in Sunday after Sunday and just takes in, it's a lot easier to them to criticize versus somebody that's been out in the field working and coming in hungry. Um, so, um, so yeah, again, what we're, what we're trying to establish here in Bloomington is something that's crossed organizational lines. We're trying to keep, keep it outside of churches, so we're very lucky, and that principal has offered us the use of the school's tabernacle to kind of host all the training sessions um, because certain pastors probably would be hesitant to send their, some of their young ministers to a different, you know, if they felt it was a different church or a different organization for this training. Um, so we can kind of remove that and hopefully establish a brotherhood and a community of the sharing of knowledge and, you know, and the sharing of this passion of this burden of getting, getting out to our local fields. Maybe we're going to train up a missionary. I mean, I, I don't know what God could do through this, um, and I know just from talking with ministers outside of Bloomington that there is a just a hunger for doing the work of God and, and just um, to trying to bring find a way to provide that to people at you know uh, something that's quality that's still relatively you know inexpensive and all that stuff. So trying to establish that in different areas to be able to make that happen, um, you know. It, one of the things that we're training, we're trying to do is just step outside of, again, the outside of the pulpit, um, you know, spiritual disciplines. We have Brother Nate Whitley on board. He's going to be kind of teaching us about his spiritual, you know, the ideas of spiritual disciplines and being disciplining and not only your spirit, but then being disciplined in your body. Um, you know, your body is the temple of the Lord. There's things that you inject, choose, choose not to ingest to partake of. Um, so we have a, a registered dietitian out of Indianapolis. Um, she happens to be my sister, but she's, uh, you know, she knows what she's talking about when it comes to establishing, you know, healthy diet, eating patterns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, cause let food be thy medicine. is kind of what she's going to be training on. And that's something I feel like, again, that's an under underrepresented area of the church. We're so, um, you know, we tend to try to sermonize everything that it, it does it does help us all to live a healthier life um to watch you know how we eat when we eat all that kind of stuff and that's something that i definitely couldn't speak on experience wise but she could definitely be a voice for that um we have a couple people that from our local law enforcement office that's on board to teaching church security um again an area that's not really well uh brought up for you know especially in the apostolic areas at least in in, in bloomington really but that is something that you have to watch for. I mean, uh, you know, a local church one time had a guy show up that decided he was a prophet from the Lord, was on who knows what kind of illicit drugs, but decided he was going to go up to that pulpit and grab a mic and, and say what he had to say. But luckily they had a couple guys that met him well before he got to that, that pulpit, that podium, and they were able to quietly escort him off, you know, to the side and prevent a scene, prevent you know, distraction and stuff from occurring in the church. Um, you know, we need, we need more people that are able to handle like, you know, social media accounts and getting because more and more stuff is shared through social media, having people trained in that area, setting up websites, setting up, you know, some churches struggle with setting up live streams to be able to broadcast that stuff out. 
Um, church soundboards, that's always a, a problem. You know, somebody's always unhappy with the sound of the church, but having somebody in there that's knowledgeable, um, that you can take time to train up, that could be somebody's ministry, being able to go in and set up those those soundboards and stuff again, and outreach, knocking on doors, all that kind of stuff. And then again, my kind of where it really ties in with me, because um, I've always been involved with children's ministry, is teaching Sunday school. Um, so that's kind of where, that's about what I had for my notes, is just getting people to recognize there's such a need outside of a pulpit, outside of somebody's, you know, preaching a sermon on Sunday, that, you know, your ministry is seven days a week, and, and be able to find your place to be able to go into those fields and, and, and harvest um, as God has, has asked of us. Amen. Uh, there's a, uh, of course, it's not going to come right up for me. In, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. But he says that all these things were for the perfecting of the saints. And none of these things were for a specific person to be, you know, in the limelight or a specific person to be built up. But it says it's for the edification, for edifying of the body of Christ till we come till we all come in unity of the faith and the knowledge of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. And I mean, he goes down through and he says, you know, we're a whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So, it, it's critical that we acknowledge these different helps, if you will, these ministries of helps, and these, these sort of more obscure things that, you know, it's not getting talked about as much. And so, and, and I really love what you guys are doing there. And you're, you're investing in people. And you're investing in, in what God wants to do in their life, regardless of what uh, role or title they may hold. It's, it's, it's more about the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I'm sure you, you know I'm passionate about. I'm so passionate about, about this getting beyond organizational lines. And I've had people on my podcast from all different you know, organizations, even a few from other faiths. And, and I, maybe I've got a little bit of flack from that. But, you know, that's I'm not so worried about that as I am about pleasing God. I'm not going to do... I'm not, I'm not willing to do anything that creates contention in the body of Christ. Because I'm not going to win someone who doesn't believe like I believe if my first perspective is to see them as an enemy interesting jesus uh, there was a man preaching in the name of jesus maybe it was maybe it was paul preaching in the name of jesus and uh casting out devils and he said oh don't worry because who's if if they're for us 
They're not against us. Yeah. And and so why have we painted, you know, them as, as enemies when they're not? They just don't have the full knowledge of the truth. That doesn't make them an enemy. And it also doesn't yeah, it also doesn't make them an idiot. Likewise, people in the church who don't quite understand everything that we teach and everything that's in the word of God. Well, a lot of the reason they don't understand that is because they're not being taught. And that could be, and we could we could put all the blame on the pastor, but it's not just the pastor's responsibility. Yeah. Because we're all called to be ministers. And to be a minister means to serve. To minister is to serve. And if Jesus is our chief example, the Bible says he didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister. So he didn't come to serve, uh, to, to be served, but he came to serve. And his life is an example of that. His life is an example of that. All the different times that he was serving. Amen. And you touched on it at the very beginning. And how, you know, young men, and they... I really don't know what's so great about standing behind a pulpit. I don't know. I really don't. Um, I get up there nine times out of ten. I make a complete fool of myself. But, you know, hey, I'm preaching the word of God. And, you know, as, as the person aside, when the word of God goes forth, it's always going to do what God intended it to do. And so it's less about, we, we've done ourselves a disservice as as a as the apostolic church as a whole with um, superstar preachers, you know, and we have these conferences and these camp meetings and we have our superstar preachers come and uh, minister to us from all over the, uh, you know, the church and all from different organizations or whatever. And and they come and, and there are superstar preachers, but what about all of the, the men and women that faithfully attend church that feel a call you know, and, and and that's why I love what you guys are doing there because you see that need. But you don't just see that need, you're doing something about it. You know, we should yeah. be facilitating in the local church. The fivefold ministry isn't there's only supposed to be a pastor here and the evangelist has to come from Africa or has to come from somewhere in, in the southern states. I'm in Maine and so they've got to come from Texas or Indiana or Connecticut or wherever. It's got the the evangelists can't come from the you know there are evangelists in the local church. There are prophets in the local church. There are teachers in the local church. And you've all got gifts and we've all got abilities and the key is that we use those abilities but you there are a lot of people that have abilities that until someone says, "Hey, my mother, God lover, incredible woman of God, woman of faith. You know, she raised me right. When she would go to church and she would worship and she would sing and eventually one of the ladies in the choir came up to her and said, you should join the choir. She goes, uh, I'll think about it. But she, she, you know, she brushed it. She's like, I'm not going up there and I'm not singing in front of nobody. And she, uh, someone else, different person, different conversation, comes up to her and talks to her and says, hey, you know, you, you've got 
I think you should be in the choir. Have you considered uh, being in the choir? So she said, well, I guess out of the mouths are two or three witnesses, then I guess I've got to be in the choir. So she go went and, you know, she joined the choir. And uh, sometimes our gifts, our talents, and our abilities, someone else needs to provoke us to put that into action in the local church. as a youth when I first felt called um, he, he pulled me aside and uh, and thankfully so because I, I was focused just solely on that pulpit and I wanted to be you know I wanted to be the next Jeff Arnold or, or you know getting up there and just firing brimstone and, and everything and, and he told me that um, he said first as a pastor I just want you to know I get 50 some days a year 50 days out of 365 to try to reach somebody you know, and then by the time you include, you know, the special services where you don't exactly have preaching, then that, that number even diminishes. He said, so I'm going to be very hesitant to turn that pulpit over to somebody that I'm not sure myself has, our, has you know, established the prayer life, has fasted and really prayed to hear from God that, you know, isn't getting up there to, have to hear themselves talk or have an axe to grind or to establish their, you know, their presence, as it were, to, you know, the next, the next great preacher. Um, and then, you know, the one time he did give me an opportunity, he, he, afterwards we had a conversation and he said, you have such a great teaching style. I feel like you're going to be a great teaching minister. And, and at first I didn't want to hear that because, you know, I know Jeff Arnold gets up there and he just lays it out. You know, and that's who I look up to and Joel Urshan and, you know, my brother Scott Graham and all these different preachers that I, you know, and, and he said, are you willing to go where God has called you? Because if you try to force what you want, you know you're going to be a, you're going to end up being a very frustrated, you know, frustrated person because you're not going to be serving rightly in the ministry. And so I I, I took that on as, and um, you know, teaching. And when I found that that was my true burden and passion is just taking something from the Bible and breaking it down and watching the light bulbs go off in people's people's minds and in their hearts even. And you know, um, I try not to let it become a source of pride with me when they come up afterwards and said, I've never heard it that way before. I, I've never thought about it the way you broke it down. Um, and that, that's, that's been so fulfilling. And like I said, had I continued on trying to, you know, just fire and brimstone it and really just, you know, throw the conviction at people versus just teaching them. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that I would be where I'm at right now, but by, by being, by having somebody, a mentor, pour into me a little bit Mentor. of wisdom and set my place, then, you know, I can say, hey, here's where I'm at now, and then content with where God has put me, um, and so, yeah, I, I'm ready, ready and willing to start putting that into others, and yeah, so we're, we're very excited, too, about what's going on here in Bloomington, what God's doing, so. Amen. So, we're, we're about at our, at our time. Okay. But I want you, I mean, because we've got I mean, thousands of listeners all over the world. What is one thing you want anybody that has listened this far to walk away from this episode with? What is one thing you want them to remember and to walk away? Um, well, again, to quote Sister Vesta Mangan, the first thing that came to my mind is this, you are a mighty weapon in the hand of God. Don't discount yourself or that you don't have a perceived ministry right now. God has a place he could put you in if you're willing. If, you know, if you, you know, truly in your heart of hearts are willing to serve and submit and, and, and just be content to serve, God will, will guide and direct you and put you where you need to be. 
Um, so, so don't don't try to be above cleaning the bathroom, you know, in between services. Uh, don't be above, you know, being in the, in the kitchen or, or going out and serving the homeless, all that kind of stuff. Because um, the more you serve, the more you will be used to God and, and the areas in which you are supposed to be used. Um, you could be a great, great harvester for the Lord simply by just being willing and not discounting your abilities that God is giving you to do. Amen. And you put it real good when you said, because I think... I think 80%, maybe even 90% of the apostolic church looks up to Jeff Arnold. He's a, he's a friend of mine, and I love him. I think he's an incredible minister. He is. But you're not, you know, none of us are ever going to be Jeff Arnold. Exactly. And so the key, and what is critical, is just to allow God to, to use us as we are. So he can project us into the purpose that he has for our life. Well, Brother Bolruff, this has been incredible. This is, this is some good content. And uh, I hope that the people that hear this will walk away and say, start asking themselves, how am I investing in the local church? How am I investing in the young ministers in my life? What am I doing, or even for the ladies, what am I doing in, to invest in the young ladies in this church? And, uh, or how can I better help my pastor or... And I think, I think it's important for each and every one of us to go to our pastor and to ask, what's something you need done? What, what's, something I can, what's something I can help you with? And I'm telling you, God is going to bless that every single time. Yeah, I mean, and just and just you know, even on top of that, just letting your pastor know, hey man, I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm fasting for you. Um, our, our church this year has done a, um, we have, you know, we have a hundred plus members. And I said, you know, that, that means that every day of the month, there could be one to two people calling out our pastor, his wife, their family's name in prayer, you know, skipping a meal, pushing back to Starbucks for, you know, the morning and just calling out your pastor that, you know, God would continue to give him a vision and a burden and a passion to refresh his spirit. Um, it, it, it's not easy being a pastor. Um, and so that was a commitment our church has made. So yeah, on top of where can I serve pastor and be willing to serve whatever areas he gives you. Yeah. Um, to, be, to simply pray and fast for your pastor is going to be a ministry in and of itself to him, especially to know that, you know, he's not manning that front line by himself. He's got somebody there that has his back. Amen. Well, Brother Bullruff, thank you so much for your time. I'm very excited about this episode, what this episode is going to accomplish. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate you having me on. It, uh, it's meant a lot to me, so thank you. It's my honor and my privilege, my friend. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1 five dollars or ten dollars a month follow us on instagram twitter or facebook